Alex is an award-winning author of popular young adult books such as Kane Warriors and the gritty Crompton Knight series. On his visit to Colford today, Alex has been sharing with Lowell Fifth his experiences of growing up in one of the UK's most infamous children's homes, being imprisoned after the 1981 Brixton riots, and then finding his heritage along with the love of literature, which allowed him to discover his true passion as a writer. So in this interview, I'm hoping to learn about your history, your journey, and get some inspiration as a writer myself. Right. So welcome to the show, Alex. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us. Great to be here. So we'll start off with a few questions, just yeah. more about your history, your writing style, and then just let me know if there's anything you would like to talk about. Okay, fire away. Okay, so um, considering that you found your love of literature in prison, would you say you're grateful for the experience in any way? You wouldn't change anything about it? Yes, I am grateful for that experience because um, I needed that. I needed some kind of reawakening. I needed some kind of uh, motivation, if you like, because before my prison experience, I had very little self-worth about myself and what I could achieve in my life. Um, my ceilings were very low back then. Mm-hmm. So the prison experience <clears throat> for me was just an a reawakening of what I could actually contribute or be in this society. Mm. So in that in that regard, it, um, it, it proved its worth for me over the years. So you were born and, you know, raised in the UK, but mm-hmm. in a lot of your books, we get that sense of, you know, the Jamaican culture mm-hmm. coming out in it. So how did you connect to your roots? Mm. I was removed from Brixton when I was only one and a half. Mm. And so I had a lot to fill in. Because sometimes growing up in an institution, you kind of lose your identity. I mean, my Jamaican heritage was lost on me in those formative years. Mm -hmm. And so actually reconnecting with Brixton and hearing the uh, even the patwa, the Jamaican patwa that I was listening to every day, listening to the reggae music um, and hearing the... um, the elders, the Rasta elders talk about Africa and talk about the Caribbean and how they managed to um, be here at that time. That really informed me as a, as a person and, and my heritage and who I really am in this society. And so it was really beneficial for me to say, say to myself that, hey, I'm not a nobody. Um, I actually yeah. come from something. I actually yeah. belong to something. Yeah. Yeah. And that was very important in my development. Mm-hmm. So being a writer myself, like I would love to know the answer to this question. So when you write, like, how do you feel? I write with passion, I mm-hmm. think. And um, I'd, I would advise any writer, especially if you're going into fiction or even nonfiction, is to pick a subject matter that you feel mm-hmm. passionate about. Because I get letters all the time from aspiring writers and they kind of wonder, oh, what should I write about? And I always steer them. What are you interested in? 
what makes you angry what do you love what you know what really appeals to you and so for me that is the first tip to find a subject matter that you um, feel absolutely passionate about because once you feel that it's very difficult to have writer's block because mm-hmm. you love the subject matter so much that you, you cannot you cannot stop exploring it and mm-hmm. you have some emotional investment in that project so definitely um, find your passion and then write about that how old were you when your first book was published and how did it make you feel seeing your books in like bookstores around i was 35 when um bricks and rock was published in 1999 and that made me feel like a million dollars it really Mm -hmm. did um basically i just wanted to um run around everywhere with two (laughs) copies of my books in my hand say hey i've finally done it i've finally (laughs) done it it's me and um especially uh i had this urge to um maybe go into um uh my previous schools and and show and show my uh, the copies of my book to all the teachers mm-hmm. who thought that I wouldn't amount to yeah. too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a tremendous thrill, something I'd never forget because, as I mentioned before, sometimes when you're feeling lowly, you don't really have too much expectations of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a fantastic moment for me. So I would like to know how you managed to have the confidence to get your type of writing style across to people. Because like I also try to write a lot of emotional and hard-hitting mm. things, but I always have the fear of that's not what people want to hear. People don't want to mm. be challenged. They don't want to be hit with yeah. the real stuff. People always want to feel happy when they read things. And, I, and yeah. how do you feel like bringing out your, your books and your writing across to people, knowing that, oh, this might really shake them to their mm. core? I had that fear too. I thought, would people want to read this? This can be quite gritty. It can be quite okay. challenging. It can be quite, um, people might want to just um, turn away from it. But at the end of the day, I said to myself, well, this is an experience that I know about. And I'm sure there are others out there who um, have the similar experience to mine. And so really, that was my core audience. So mm-hmm. I was writing for me and them mm-hmm. initially. I mean, obviously, we all want everybody to read what we produce as writers. We all want that, don't we? Yeah. But um, for me, I was, I was just thinking about that audience when I first sat down and even wrote poetry and songs. You know, I wanted to connect with those people who had the same experiences I did. Yeah. And I wanted to reflect their life experiences. So that is what spurred me on. And I thought, you know what? Um, our experiences challenges that we've had to confront are just as important as anybody else's and so I think that came from Simeon he was the mentor who I found in my prison cell I never thought he would be a mentor because we didn't start off that well but he turned out to be my teacher my father figure and he steered me to believe in that um, I could contribute to society that I had a skill set that needed tapping into and I needed to build confidence in myself And the one thing that he always drilled into me almost every day was that, um, Alex, do not let your past hamper your future. You know, it doesn't mean because of your past that you cannot achieve anything in life. So be open to that. And so, you know, I remember him fondly. He passed away about six years ago now. But um, I'm so glad that, um, you know, he's portrayed in the uh, BBC Small Act series where um, my where I was, I was a feature in episode four. My life was a feature. Mm. And, you know, he, um, well, now the world can see who he is and what he did for young people like myself. So I'm very proud of that moment. Mm. 
How did you overcome the challenges that came with being a black writer? Because obviously, you know, as a black person, it would be hard already in itself. But, yeah. you know, your, you know, prison time as well. Mm. I'm sure there were moments where you, I don't know, felt really, you know, low in spirits and you were just like, why am I still doing this? How did you overcome? Oh, yes. There's many moments where I felt that, um, oh, Lord, is it ever going to happen to me? Mm. I mean, Bricks and Rock, my first novel, didn't happen it wasn't overnight success. I mean, I would um, send off my manuscript to publishers and literary agents, and they would uh, send little slips back to me saying, this is not for us. I'm not sure a UK audience would engage in this story. I'm not sure whether it would sell in the bookstores. You know, so I had about up to 30 rejections. I mean, I, st- I started to pen Bricks and Rock in around about 1995. So it took me, what, four years to finally get that work published yeah. and yes um i was a um, a young black writer trying to uh, crack the market if you like where um at the time there wasn't so many of us i mean andrea levy was published uh, i think zadie was published probably 2000 i think so i think i was published before her mm. uh, in many ways uh zadie and others who uh, followed they opened up doors for many black writers that we see today now but yeah. Back in the mid-1990s, there were so few of us, so it was very difficult. But I just believed in what I did. I think that was the main thing. And so that's why I persevered, because I believed in my lead character, Brenton Brown, that he spoke of a universal theme, that it's not necessarily black English, it's worldwide. You know, this kind of struggle to be accepted, to be feeling loved, to be, you know, uh, just included and valued. For me, that's not a black thing, it's a universal thing. Yeah. And so that's why uh, I wanted to persevere with that particular story because it didn't just speak of, um, say, a young mixed-race male living in Brixton in the the early 1980s, but it spoke of um, anyone who's felt disenfranchised, who felt forgotten, who feels that their life is not valued in whatever society they they are raised in. So do you have a favourite book you've written? That's a difficult question because I view my books like children. So it's difficult to pick out one because obviously you put your um, your time and effort into each book that you publish. But I would say the um, the publication of um, Bricks and Rock, my debut novel, I mean, I was so excited and I felt I, I had achieved so much with that debut book. So probably that book, I think. So which one would you say was the hardest to write then? The hardest, probably Cane Warriors, even though it's the slimmest Mm. because of the emotional trauma and the research that I had to conduct while writing that book. That was quite traumatizing. It really was Mm. when I learned that um, because initially I wanted to um, write Chief Taki's narrative and I wanted to uh, track his life from um, Western Africa to the Caribbean because um, it you know, some commentators say that he was a prince, mm. that he was just unlucky. He got caught and he was shipped to the Caribbean, to Jamaica. And that uh, story compelled me. But when I undertook further research and I discovered that um, on the plantations, that even if you were a boy or girl of 11, 12, 13, you were expected to produce as much work as the grown men. And if you mm. didn't, you were whipped. If you ran away, you were tortured. You, you know, your foot was cut off. Mm. And so that's what I felt it would be much more compelling if I had a character who was only 13, 14 years old, like Moa, mm. 
is. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there were times when I had to stop writing and tears fell down my cheeks. But I just felt it was a story necessary to tell. You know, in in a way, I felt like Anne Frank when she's describing what happened to her. And every now and again, young people, they go through extreme trauma and that shouldn't be forgotten. And it should be uh, shared. And so we do not um, repeat the same mistakes. And, you know, children should be a factor in people's minds or adults' minds when all this crazy stuff is going on, like wars and so on. You know, it impacts on them the most. So this is why their narrative is very important, especially to me. Yeah, I think that's a really good one because, you know, most black people, they always talk about, you know, the trauma and the pain that their ancestors went through. But we ourselves, we will never be able to fully grasp mm-hmm. that amount of pain. And I think the way you describe Moa's story, you know, Kevatin, the promise mm. they made to the gods and everything, it yeah. was just very beautifully written. And it's been a while since I read a book that made me cry and I <laughs> cried. And I remember reading the yeah. end of the book, The Afro Knowledge, when you were like, oh, you wept as well. And I was like, yeah. okay, this yeah, is yeah, a book you can really connect yeah. to. And yeah. I feel like your writing style is very distinct as well, very mm. different, especially, especially to our generation. So do you feel like you've read any other books or you met a writer that you've, you've been able to connect to, like you could relate to what they were writing, you could almost feel like I could have written something similar to this? Um, I have to go back to um, Ian Fleming. I mean, um, people sometimes dismiss his work because, you know, he his, uh, obviously his work was turned into the James Bond movies and whatever, but his writing was so precise and concise where he used a lot of short sentences to create tension. Yeah. And so um, that's the thing I learned especially from Ian Fleming, um, how to create tension in a narrative. Like sometimes when you come into a climax, you just shorten the sentences. Mm-hmm. And um, the reading mind cannot help but accelerate mm-hmm. their reading, you know, yeah. just to get to that point where yeah. the um, climax is. And so I learned that especially from not just Ian Fleming, but um, beat writers as well. Um so that stayed with me. You know, um, I've read a great deal, but um, how I um, form my style is probably not lit- literary. It's probably more crime and thriller, mm, yeah, I, would, yeah. I would suggest. And I think that's very important when your, um, your audience is children and young adults because you want to keep them engaged. Mm. You know, you don't want them, um, oh, let me try this now. You know, let me go on Netflix or yeah. uh, Disney Plus, mm. you know, after two minutes of reading. You mm. want to, once they start one or two pages, you want to keep them. Keep them, yeah. definitely. Keep them. And the way to keep them is by um, providing that tension. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I, that's what I try and, that's what I definitely did with Kane Warriors. You know, I had the mindset where I wanted, um, if young people are going to read this, I want them to read it in two or three sittings. Mm. You know, I wanted to keep with it, keep with it. I'm going to grab them and you're not going to leave until, you know, you know the whole thing's, you know, the whole yeah. thing's finished. Yeah. yeah, I read that in one sitting in a few hours. So um, that was my, you know, there's, a, there's, there's an art to it. It's not easy as some people might think, you know, to keep that attention, to keep that tension going. Yeah. Do you find it easier or more difficult to write books for younger children? When you say younger children, you mean middle grade? Yeah, like, middle grade. Um, I did... Um, have a go with um, Welton Blake, yeah. Humiliations of yeah. Welton Blake. And I love writing that book because I could have joy with it. I could have fun with it. Mm. Especially after I wrote Kane Warriors, where I needed some mm. kind of light, mm. humorous relief. Yeah. And that was very good for me, uh, you know, for my trauma. 
And so, yes, I've re- in fact, they're asking, Alex, when are you going to write another middle grade? Yeah. And I guess uh, maybe hopefully next year, sometime next year, when I meet my obligations, meet my deadlines, mm-hmm. I can write another middle grade because that was a lot of fun. Because I did read the, mid- the middle grade book first and I was so surprised like someone could come down to a level, mm. someone that writes such intense things could also come down to a level where everything's not so serious, everything is yeah. flowing, everything's in a good yeah. state of mind and that balance is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah, because often people, my, you know, my background is reading comics. So I wanted to correct their own kind of sense of fun that I had reading comics. And that's what I wanted to create with um, the humiliations of Welton Welton Blake. So I really enjoyed that and I'd like to do that again. Are some of the characters in your books based on real people you've met at any point in your life? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure quite a lot. <laughs> yes, quite a lot, um, including myself. Wow. <laughs> including which, myself. Which book did you put yourself in? Um, there's a lot of me in Brenton Brown in Brixton mm. Rock. Yeah. There's a lot of me in Limar, a mm. uh, little bit. Yeah. A lot of me in there. There's even a lot of me in um, mm. the character in Straight Out of Crompton, Mo, Mo Baker. Yeah. That frustration, that kind of um, desire to get out of a situation. Mm. So, in many of my leading characters, there's um, there's a touch of me in there, a dose of me in there. And yes, it's populated, especially my early books, is populated yeah. with people I've come across, like um, the gangster in East of Acre Lane that's modelled on somebody who I did errands for yeah. back in the day, yeah. you know, in Brixton. So, yeah, there's a lot of. Um, Leading on real lifetime experiences, and, so it's and much people like who I came across. You're sharing a piece of yourself with yeah. everyone who reads your books, which is what I would love to do as a writer yeah. as well. So, um, my last question: Are you work, um, working on a new book? And like, can you tell us a little bit about it? I'm working on a bio- biography, so wow, really? um, that's nearly finished now. Hopefully, that will be published next year. Um, I'm also working on a new Crompton. Mm. a new Crompton so um, that's going to be fun uh, I haven't written a Crompton for a couple of years or so so it's good to get back to um, the Crompton again yeah. so um, following that I want to explore other genres um, I love my sport so yeah. I really want to write something sporty mm-hmm. maybe a sporting cricketer or footballer mm-hmm. or something yeah. you know I, I've always wanted to do that so I'm going to try and think of a, a narrative where I can, you know, put that into gear. This would be my last question. Um, what are your hopes for the future of young black authors, you know, that, I don't know, maybe want to connect with their mm. own roots as well? Um, my hope for the future is that um, there are more narratives out there because um, the black experience is a wide one. It's not just a singular thing. You know, yeah. everyone, all of us have different narratives and different life experiences. And so I just want to see more of that. Mm. You know, I mean, so much has been written about um, the so-called urban experience and so forth. So I just want to see that expand yeah. into um, different lifetime experiences that mm. we all share. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, I feel we've only uh, touched a little uh, corner of it. But yeah. there's so much more to... Um, to tell about the black experience, you know, it's not just uh, the Jamaica or Africa. There's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So hopefully um, readers and writers like yourself 
can contribute to that in later years mm, yeah. because obviously your experience might be different from mine and you know might be different from each other mm-hmm. uh, so it'd be nice if um later on you know when i'm old in my hammock somewhere in the caribbean <laughs> you know when i'm 80 or 70 over my <laughs> yeah. strawberry dakiri yeah. i can read about your experiences that would be wonderful yeah. yeah once again thank you so much for coming out today thank it thank was you. lovely to meet you honestly thank you thank for having me for listening to on the air we'd love you to comment like and share our podcast series and if you'd like to get in touch please visit our website colford.co.uk and you can connect on social media this podcast is produced and managed by our friends at podtalk.co.uk this podcast is made for entertainment purposes only and is copyright of colford school views and opinions are on and information deemed correct at this time of publishing